Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so delighted to be with you again another week, and I'm very excited to have my guest back on for a second week in a row. Robert Augustus Masters is an expert and a transformational guide, a relationship expert, a psycho-spiritual teacher, and the author of so many incredible books, including Spiritual Bypassing, Emotional Intimacy, To Be a Man, and Transformation Through Intimacy. Uh, actually, in addition to the book that we spoke about on last week's show, which is archived, and you can go back and pull that up and listen to it after this show, and that book was on bringing your shadow out of the dark, breaking free from the hidden forces that drive you. Robert works with groups as well as individuals, and there is no more potent time, especially now, to do that kind of work uh, while we have been social distancing and while so much can surface in a time where we pull back from our distractions of busyness and the world. It is a prime opportunity to notice the subtleties that rise up, whether it is in the emotions of grief and anger and frustration or within the shadow aspects of shame and guilt and aggression or the many things that lay beneath the surface of us that we don't even realize. Those very emotions and feeling factors are what creates our humanity. And unless we embrace these pieces and parts of ourselves, we are truly not tapping into humanity. It is only when we're willing to embrace our shadow side do we discover all of who we are, and that is the path to wholeness. This week, I want to discuss his book, To Be a Man. I've often had many questions as a woman, and especially as a mother of two sons, the different roles that are played in shaping men into who they are. We have seen throughout history how men have constantly had to be in the face of war and places of aggression, and yet how we also have seen uh, many men who shrink back from their power as well, or those that have distorted power. And we are at a time now where more and more men are leaning towards healing and wholeness and stepping into true power. So to be a man is truly a guide for true masculine power. And to have Robert Masters on to share this powerful topic is an absolute honor and a delight. Welcome back, Robert, to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you. Uh, this was a really, really incredible book. It is deeply filled with so many aspects of men's empowerment and disempowerment, everything from shame and guilt and aggression to aspects of sexuality and wounding and connection. Talk a little bit about um, about the wounding of men. I know that years ago, one of my big questions that I kind of threw out to the universe was an inquiry around uh, if men are deeply wounded, the ones that are, what role do we women play? Because we are the ones that rear them. We're the ones that birth them. And what role do men play? How is it that we actually become wounded when we start out whole? 
So I'd love for you to start right there. What is the role that we as men and women play in the wounding and the empowerment of the men that we bear? Well, unresolved wounds get passed on generation to generation. And we may know that intellectually, but in the, when we drop into it a little deeper level, we can sense in ourselves, here's our wounding, here's our conditioning, here's what we took on from our parents and our their culture, their history, and we're conditioned. And we have the capacity to wake up from that conditioning. If we're a little boy comes in, he's innocent, wide open, just as emotionally open and raw as a little girl, but he soon, in most cases, is taught uh, very directly and often callously to sh- how to... Uh, shut down, become more of a quote-unquote boy, a little male, and shame kicks in, is not addressed as such. Boys tend to be more aggressive, including genetically, than little girls, and that aggression is fed, and and being vulnerable is seen as a weakness, not in all cases, but in most cases. So that boy soon grows into a shell of himself, still able to feel, but limiting the feeling more to aggression emotions that are less vulnerable, and before you know it, he hits his teens, it gets reinforced more, and he enters adulthood, still a wounded boy inside, usually unaware of that. And I think the work men are needed needed to do now is to wake up to that and take action in the direction of becoming more vulnerable, more tuned in, safer, a safer place for women to be in relationship with, and to me, it's time for that to happen. It's so, so crucial because most of the men who are in power corporately and politically have not done much work on themselves. Mm. And that has a huge impact, huge impact. And many men end up being overly soft. They lose their spine. They lose their power. Other men go in the other direction and, and become too powerful in, a, in an unhealthy way. Both extremes don't work. The soft male, the hard male. There's another type of male that isn't just in between the two that transcends both, has hardness, has softness, and has woken up to quite a degree. And this requires hard work. And I often say to men that come to my men's groups, I applaud your courage in showing up here because it is scary. It's exciting and scary to do deep work as a man and a woman too, but especially as a man because the shame layer has to be entered, penetrated, stripped down so that the deeper, rawer emotions can surface. And that is a heroic undertaking. I think for women, the idea and the concepts of personal and spiritual growth uh, seem to be easier to delve into because women tend to go there uh, quicker than men. If you look at a lot of spiritual workshops or even sales of self-help books and things like that, the majority of it tends to be women as opposed to men. Although that is now increasing where more and more men are engaging in this kind of work. Um, Why is it so difficult or why are, as they say, men are from Mars, women are from Venus? Why, what is the aspect of men that bars that desire for the inner work? Or is that part of the conditioning that's That's in That's part of the conditioning, the pressure to be a man, to man up which are inherently shaming admonitions, man up, grow up hair, et cetera. Those type of statements are said inadvertently by so many people, so many parents, teachers, and the boy gets the impression he has to somehow man up for that, um, take on the pressure of being 
at a man, and that part of which means dissociating, cutting off from the softer emotions, the more vulnerable emotions. Most girls don't have that in their historical upbringing. They're, they're encouraged more to be more feeling. It's often so feeling deeply often is associated with being female. Unfortunately, of course, it's right for women to feel that way, but most men I work with come in emotionally illiterate in many cases and feeling shame about it, knowing that their wives, their girlfriends are more together, more evolved in that department. And yet I've seen men who are serious about this become emotionally literate, deepen that, and become a fuller human being for that. So it's often to do with the, the, the conditioning, the pressure. And I think there's more similarities between men and women than there are differences, especially emotionally. But again, most men have to learn emotional literacy 101 right from the beginning. There's a legacy that, that comes with manhood that is both cultural, um, ancestral, and, and global in a sense, because men have been the ones that have constantly been sent to war. And even in our language of business and different things, um, those that connotation is used. It's like you've got to kill it. You've got to um, blow up the competition. You've got to, yeah. There's always this... This idea of being at war, and there has to be some deep wounding, even for a child that's gestating and coming in to the world of some type of energetic that already knows it's got to fight or it has to guard. Um, how does that play a role in the psyche? A big role, because there's we, we have our, all the ancestral imprints, uh, the collective energy around all of this, and, and war, you're right, it's, it's such a overused metaphor we make war on cancer war on drugs war on this war on that as if somehow that's just, is often unquestioned that we're talking that way and and it's not about not having anger not having power not having the capacity for violence it's about having those capacities under the guidance of a, of a, of a wise heart so if i'm angry ideally i have some degree of heart in it and Many of us bewail war, but we're but we still reinforce it through the way we treat each other, men and women. I've seen so many, so much of this in my couples' work: the conflict, the fighting, the inability to to cut through the reactivity and, and reach a saner way of relating. Uh, it's all there. It's, it's work for all of us, man and male and women, men and women alike. It's as long as a man is is not aware of the difference between anger and aggression. Women won't trust him. They can't feel safe with him. Because even if he may not get aggressive, get violent, they can feel it in him. It's there, sitting there, waiting to be entered, understood, penetrated, transformed. And there is a, there is a, a lot of conflict between men and women. It doesn't have to be there. But I think that begins in many ways with the man showing up more, growing up, growing out of his being stuck in his wounding, and for women to step into their power more where they can challenge men, this is a time and age where women actually have the power to deliver a compassionate kick to the ass to a lot of men. Historically, though, it wasn't safe. Not safe. It's been Women have been property for a long, long time. Secondary humans to the, to the man being the primary one. That has to shift. It is shifting, but very slowly. Is that shift of the, the feminine, the woman... Uh, into a, a more empowered state 
and coming out of their shadow part of what supports the man in coming out of the shadow? Is that yeah. part of an energetic balance that it, it has is. to happen? It, it is. Accompanying that, too, is where women cease settling for being with a partner, a male partner, who is not working on himself, promises to do it, says, I'll try, and I'll try, and I try. doesn't do it. They end up enabling a man to stay in his stuck patterns. Not that it's their fault, but it that contributes to the man staying stuck. Uh, I think is what needs to happen is when men and women both are waking up together, not just spiritually, but psychologically, emotionally, physically, and deepening the intimacy between. Not, I don't mean sexual intimacy. I mean just intimacy. Period. Being closer, more connected, and sharing the sharing the hard labor of working on themselves. And that's been left to the women. I, I see more women in groups than men. I see a lot of men of my book and my work with the men. When I see women in groups, often the key topic is getting the power, taking their power. And also that means facing the fear of what could happen if they are a more powerful woman. Historically, you know, being burnt at the stake. There's all, all of the things that have been done to women who've shown up, spoken up. And so many women still have a fear of letting their voice be really full, where they take a firm stand. And that is essential, especially when it comes to putting up with a partner's bad behavior instead of challenging him, and if necessary, leaving, rather than staying and staying and staying while their children get more and more damaged by being in a toxic environment. So there's a lot of, the onus is on both genders here. Now, there's a fine distinction between women standing up and expressing their voice and a woman emasculating a man. Can you yeah. talk about the distinction between those two? Well, in the latter case, the woman is shaming the man, and he is either going to take it and crumble and grovel and lose his balls, or he's going to get aggressive and push back and find fault with her, attack her in some way, even if it's night down with a smile. So it's important when we take our power not to shame the other when we feel bothered by them. And I've seen many women do that with the men. They're frustrated and say, I wish you were more of a man. I wish you were more of a growing up. That backfires. And the way into a man through that armoring is through inviting his vulnerability, which often requires a therapeutic, some therapeutic intervention so he can, he can wake up to what he's been doing. I've seen many men where it's like a light goes off and then when they realize, here's anger, ah, here's aggression, here's the difference, and I've been aggressive. No wonder she doesn't feel safe with me. No wonder her libido for me is almost down to zero. Because she doesn't feel safe. And once he makes that shift intellectually, and then it becomes somatically uh, happening, that makes a huge difference. I want to talk a little bit about the balance between men and women. And we're coming up on a break, so this maybe is how we start our next segment. But it seems to me that women are always trying to achieve a balance between their being and their doing, uh, their self-care and how much they overgive or overdo. Whereas it appears that men's balance, uh, they seem to have it. They have a good balance of work hard, play hard, but the balance that's required has to do more with feeling and emotion and opening up to that yes. other aspect of themselves. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes right now if you'd like to start a little bit into that, Robert, and then we'll complete that when we come back from the break. I think what's what's missing here is 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 
shared being, shared doing. So it's not him doing this, her doing that. There's a there's a there's more and more overlap between what's being done and also being. Like I I have a lot of couples go into a, a deep connected state in the midst of their their crisis and their hassles and their fighting, not to bypass it or get away from it, but to drop to a deeper level, which is always feeling centered. Women tend to be more comfortable with feeling-centered activity, men less. When I see men doing their work deeply, they can drop in just as easily as the women can to the place of feeling. Here we are. We're connected. Who cares who's right or wrong in our disagreement? Here we are connected, mutually empathetic. Now we can return to the surface and look at what's going on from a clearer place, a less reactive place. But again, this requires work on both parts. My guest today is Dr. Robert Augustus Masters, and he is the author of the book that we're discussing today, which is To Be a Man, A Guide to True Masculine Power. His aim in this book is to illuminate and support the journey of men, providing navigational guidance for them to step more fully into their own authenticity and help deepen their capacity for taking wise care of themselves and their environment. Dr. Masters has seen men suffer by shutting themselves off from their own depths, stranding themselves from what would enable them to have truly fulfilling relationships, not just their empathy, vulnerability, and capacity for emotional literacy, but also their true power and resolve, their authenticity, their capacity to anchor themselves in real integrity. There's a deeper life for men, a life in which responsibility and freedom go hand in hand, and level upon level. A life in which happiness is rooted not in what they have, but in what they fundamentally are. Uh, it's a powerful book. I definitely invite you to check it out. Along with his website, robertmasters.com, he does group and individual work. Uh, you can reach out to him individually through his website about that individual work. And check out some of his other powerful books, Bringing Your Shadow Out of the Dark, Spiritual Bypassing, Emotional Intimacy and Transformation Through Intimacy. Again, that's robertmasters.com, and the book today is To Be a Man. We will be right back after these messages. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, 
greater fulfillment and life purpose, the 1111 Mastermind community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Before I get back to my wonderful guest, Dr. Robert Masters, and his incredible expertise in counseling individuals and working with men and women, both individually and with groups, I also want to mention uh, another organization. Faithful Counseling is a team of licensed counselors who share your faith and who will help you through your problem. You can begin a conversation when you're ready by text or phone or even secure video conferencing from the comfort of your own home. They are professionals with experience that can move through your issues. And I want to let you know that you can get 10% off your first month simply by going to faithfulcounseling.com forward slash 11 spell out the word 11 and it is not a crisis line there are a thousand plus u.s licensed therapists across all 50 states it's available worldwide with many communication modes including text chat phone or video they start communicating with you in under 24 hours and financial aid is available for those who qualify this is secure convenient professional and affordable so check them out 10 percent off your first month with the discount code 11 spelled out so go to faithfulcounseling.com forward slash 11 my guest today is robert augustus masters and he is the author of uh, over 13 13 or, or more books and is a relationship expert spiritual teacher and master psychotherapist along with trainer of psychotherapists he has a doctorate in psychology And his uniquely integral intuitive work developed over the past 34 years dynamically blends the psychological and physical with the spiritual, emphasizing full-blooded embodiment, authenticity, emotional openness and literacy, deep shadow work, spiritual deepening, and the development of relational maturity. Today we are discussing his book, To Be a Man, A Guide to True Masculine Power. And I'm going to share with you a short passage from this book. Staying present with your shame takes far more courage than converting it into aggression. Neither indulging in your shame nor avoiding it furthers the authentic warrior in you, the one who can step into the fire of deep challenge and remain present without numbing himself or emotionally disconnecting. Being present with your shame takes guts. It also deepens your capacity for vulnerability and compassion, and therefore also your capacity 
for being in truly intimate relationship. Again, this is from Robert's book, To Be a Man, and you can find out more about him at robertmasters.com. Robert, we were talking about the balance and men being willing to move into that place of vulnerability and intimacy with their own feelings. And just prior to that, you talked a bit about the anger and the aggression. Are anger and aggression something that the men are conscious to, or has it become such a part of them that they're often not even aware of the tendencies to come out in that way? Yeah, I think for most men that the two are synonymous. There's this, I've seen that most men don't realize that when they're being angry, often they're being aggressive, they're on the attack. Healthy anger, of course, does not mean being on the attack. It means you're just underlining what you want to get across. You put some fire, some intensity. But it's not done to hurt the other person. It's done to almost cut through the relational deadwood that may be happening. And aggression is just pure attack. It's it's heated. It's fiery. And it's it's got a nasty edge to it. And we can feel that even if the other person's aggression is done with a smile or it's done sweetly, we can feel that edge that's cutting. Someone can say that they're just joking when they say something that really hurts us. They're actually being aggressive without knowing it. So I think when a man learns the difference, he had now has the capacity to start being angry in a healthy way rather than just shutting down the anger and trying to be a non-angry person, which doesn't work either. It just means you're repressing it. And I think, too, that a man that knows this difference and can show it is inherently more trustworthy. I've seen this in a lot of the men's groups I've done. When a man enters that territory, the other men often all say, I trust you more when they see that. They just trust him more because he's more vulnerable now. He's still angry. He's still got balls, but he's but he's softened. He's not a stranger to his tears anymore. I have men who haven't cried for 20 years show up, and, and the way through isn't for me to hammer on them to open up. It's more when I help them see their shame and their history, then they realize how much they've missed, and there's such a huge grief in such men, uh, enormous grief. When that grief happens, it's not just a few manly tears that get shed. It's, it's deep, deep crying, sobbing, uh, in a way that breaks the heart wide open and allows access to all the other emotions that are in him. Having done a lot of work in myself around shame, I think one of the surprises, as I read through your book, was this awareness of men having shame, I think sometimes the aggression and the anger or that that quote-unquote manly facade comes forward that it, I, I just was unaware that actually shame could be behind that for men too, even though that's natural for everybody. Talk yeah. a little bit about the shame for men and how hidden that becomes, especially when we look at some of the pictorials that we see on television from misogyny to uh, the narcissism to a lot of the, yeah. the the issues that have plagued our society, especially as the Me Too movement and different things took place, behind all of those things actually is a lot of shame. Yeah, and the natural inclination for most of us, especially men, is to, is to not stay with the shame very long at all. So it gets converted really quickly into emotional dissociation, withdrawal, or into aggression. And we're, we can see so many examples of men who actually are feeling shame, but they, that their outward facade is so aggressive. That's that's an escape from shame. A man who's doing that may not even know he's feeling shame. The shame's underneath. He may just simply think, I'm, I'm pissed off. Why shouldn't I be in there? There's an aggression, an attack on the other. 
And that is so, it's appallingly common. And, and that has to be addressed. And I've seen many men, when they realize this, learn how to sit in their shame with dignity. So they don't have to grovel or beat themselves up to prove what a bad person they are. They simply can be in that shame, sit in it, often have them facing the other men or in a mixed group, the men and the women, and saying what they have shame about without crumbling and feeling the fire of the shame. It's a kind of a, a damp fire in a way, move through their system so that they are not saying I'm sorry in a hardened way. They're saying I'm sorry from their heart, but they're still available for relationship. Now, shame can be like that. It can be like a, a, handled well. It can deepen a relationship when both people are willing to admit when they're feeling shame and no longer try and escape it. That takes courage. I would think that uh, a, a gentleman, for men and women, individual therapy and counseling can be very supportive, but deeply more so for men to do in a group because... For a man doing individual shame work, I would think there's still a level of shame about having to do the work around shame, but yet seeing and being in a group of other men where you're realizing all these other men have these issues with anger, with aggression, with shame, with guilt, with with all of these things just like me might actually be more healing. What has been your experience since you do work with individuals as well as groups? I prefer the groups. The individual work is great to get the ball rolling, but the groups, once one man has done what I described a minute ago around sitting in his shame with dignity, the other men often feel inspired to do the same thing. They actually want to get in front of the group and say, here's some stuff I was doing with my partner. I did when I was younger. I feel so bad about it. So they talk about it. I help them confess it fully, guide them into breathing properly as they're doing it and their posture, the whole thing. And there's such a relief and there's such a camaraderie that emerges from that, like we're all in it together. No saints here. Everyone's suffering. And here's something we can do about the suffering. Here's something we can do. That's why I think in men's groups there's such a, a deep bonding often and, and a follow-through out of that camaraderie. I see it in the women's groups too, but the men's is especially strong. Like they're so relieved to have company. They're no longer flying solo. And that is such a relief for them. It, it does appear that women seem to create more sisterhood, more bonding relationships, community, whereas men tend to stay uh, more focused on where they're to work or achieve or provide. Uh, and there are more men that don't have um, the friendships or the kind of intimate relationships that women are able to, to nurture. Yes, how does that play a role in the healing of men? A huge role, because when they have that, it's, there's a sense of, uh, here's someone else, here's some other guys that have my back. Here's some men who who are able to hold me accountable. See, if I've crossed the line, if I've done something that's not really great to someone else, I can't. they're not just going to pat me in the back and say, I want to support you. They're going to challenge me. That challenge, a healthy challenge is needed. I see this in women's groups too, but even more in the men's groups where the men challenge each other and they end up, there's a lot of shared humor, care, and an appreciation for, for the fact we get to be vulnerable together and no one is pointing a finger at us. And we're also no longer worried about looking incompetent. A lot of men have huge shame around not being competent at work, 
being judged that way. When that's cut through, there's a sense, here we are, we're all in the same room together, and every man is in touch with the little boy in him, his conditioning. What freedom? Same with women, but the freedom of being aware of one's conditioning and not being driven by it is enormous. Men often thrive because they do have the goals, they have the agendas, they set up um, the pathway for their success, and and they challenge themselves, whether it's in the gym, whether it's in at work. Is there a shadow side to challenge, and is there a benefit to that challenge, and what's the distinction that men need to, to apply? The shadow side is, in the shadows are the roots of the drive to, to do so well, like to obsessively build the body, go for the weights, try and increase one's income. That can be such, there can be such drivenness in that, and often men don't see the roots of that, which is in the early years, the, con- the conditioning to be like that. And when a man steps back from that, he doesn't suddenly lose his ability to work or become kind of flabby in, the, in that sphere. He has it in balance. He's not overdoing it. It's so easy to overdo um, things, to work too many hours and have a certain twisted pride in it, like I work 16 hours a week, whatever it is, or I can bench this or do that, or here's how many women I've been with. There's that adolescent arrogance can be in there. But underneath that, there's just the vulnerability. There's the little boy part of them that just wants mommy and daddy to love him, and maybe they'll love him more if he's good at sports or school. All that conditioning, which is there to be awakened from. And we all, when we're doing this inner work, um, we all have this certain age stage that we tend to be emotionally stunted uh, or or where we hold the physical pain in the body if it was prior to age seven, uh, the energetics of it. Yes. As we move through when we have these triggers, particularly men, when they have their triggers, when they, when they are a little more aware they're getting angry or they reflect back and they've gotten upset and angry about something or they've reacted... Um, how can they better connect with that stunted age stage? And, well, and what do they do with it? Well, here's what's really helpful. I, I teach people how to use incomplete sentences, the therapists I train. And one of them in that case would be how old I feel right now is. And while someone's in the middle of their work, often they'll say four, five, six, seven. It's, it's young. It's usually younger than 10. Now and then it's teen, teen years. And when they say that, you can hear it in their voice. Their voice seems higher. It feels younger. And, okay, now what's happening? What do you see? And usually there's some scene or, or a sequence of scenes from their early life where things got pretty bad and they took it on. They were little kids and they did not doubt their parents and what their parents were seeing to them. They took it on and they became that for a while. And here they are, in a sense, returning to the scene of the crime and feeling it directly, not intellectually going, oh, that's my inner child. It's more like, wow, this happened. I can feel it. My parents just got divorced, and no one told me about it or took care of me. They feel the impact of it. They feel the trauma of it. And that helps them crack open even more. It begins with acknowledging one's age, or or a couple that's fighting. If they're honest, and someone said to them, how old do you each feel right now? It's probably going to be quite young, even though they're using adult language. They're very rational. The little child then that's been wounded is running the show at that point. And and we all have these these little children and these aspects within us, these fragmented parts. So at different times, 
it, it can be different aspects of us, or yeah. is it always the young child, and then when it shows up as the teenager or the well, young adult, it's just you know an echo? It's, it's not just like the inner child, it's just like this, this entity within, it's more of a, a process, an activity, and there's many ages. Sometimes a person can be in touch with a five-year-old, and then suddenly they're an infant. Now and then it can even be around birth. The emotional system in the brain is capable of working fully when we're, when we're born. So we can have a memory of our birth, which is emotionally based, maybe not like ordinary memory. But it's all ages. You'd be a five-year-old, six-year-old, the 11-year-old in you. It's like a whole community of selves. And once we can name it, we can tell, ah, here's some sensations in my body that are really uncomfortable. Ah, it feels like the five-year-old. Or here's the 12-year-old. And we develop a compassionate relationship with these parts. So they don't get to run us, but we don't get try and get rid of them either. We cultivate intimacy with them. We, we become friendlier toward them so they don't get to operate us. Because they're like kids. They get to ride in the back seat, safely tucked in, seatbelts on, some games. And we drive. We drive the car. We're not asking that child to grow up and drive the car. We're taking care of that child. And that is such an important thing. And a lot of men have shame initially around this, admitting it, but what a relief for them when they can do that. I've had guys bring their teddy bears to a group after all, like this, these mementos from their childhood, and without shame, okay, here's the kid in you. Let's connect with that. doesn't mean you, you lost your manhood. It means the little boy in you is becoming alive and well, etc. Challenge calls out the warrior in a man, the one who tests, hones, and refines himself through his encounters with difficult or unusual conditions. Challenge, as such, is more than a cocktail of testosterone, adrenaline, and manning up pressures, more than a shame-driven opportunity to validate or showcase our manliness, and more than something done to meet someone else's standards. As uncomfortable as challenge may be for a man, it can also be enlivening and deepening, presenting him with an edge that can bring out the very best in him, an edge that he's known in various forms since he was a toddler, venturing forth, however slightly, from parental safety. Challenge is the part of our path that can most overtly build multidimensional muscle and strongly embodied presence, deepening your capacity to see, hear, feel, know, and act. It calls you to leave your comfort zone and venture forth into territories that may be far from familiar. As much as you may resist the pull, such resistance being natural, you know in your heart that it signals an adventure that you must sooner or later take. This is from Dr. Robert Augustus Masters' book, To Be a Man, A Guide to True Masculine Power. You can find out more about Robert at robertmasters.com. And you will discover uh, that he is a pioneer in the evolving men's movement and the author of 14 books, including emotional intimacy and spiritual bypassing, as well as bringing your shadow out of the dark. Uh, definitely check him out. Check out his men's groups, his group counseling, as well as the individual counseling. We'll be right back after these messages. want more more joy more abundance more power and presence how would it feel to have more loving relationships more empowered community greater fulfillment and life purpose the 1111 mastermind community inspires empowers guides and supports transformation 
Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. My guest today is Dr. Robert Augustus Masters, and we are talking about To Be a Man, A Guide to True Masculine Power. Um, If you are a man, I invite you to read this book. It is wonderful, and it goes deeply into all aspects of the shadow nature, but also how to empower yourself and how to develop deep connection and the foundational practices for intimate relationship along with uh, cultivating authentic manhood. And if you are a woman, I invite you to read it so that you can understand your man, your sons, the men around you a little bit better, and then perhaps pass this book on to them. I love a particular statement in Robert's book, and it says, Intimate relationship is arguably the 21st century's ashram. It's not, however, a retreat or refuge from everyday life, but a transformational growth center located in the very midst of it, offering experiential courses in whatever generates and deepens intimacy, courses uniquely fitting for those entering its domain. We are definitely in the midst of the ashram when we engage in relationship. You can find out more about Robert Masters at robertmasters.com. He works with men individually as well as in groups. He also provides support for women. So you can find out more by connecting to him. I do want to talk about relationship in this segment, Robert, but before we do, I want to talk a little bit about pride. I think pride is something that that 
men and women, um, specifically men, often have. But I've also heard that pride loves an audience, and that beckons me to think that there's a deeply shadow side to pride uh, that we have to also be aware of. Talk about the fine line between prideful and the shadow of pride or uh, moving into heroism. Well, in the sense that shame deflates us, for better or for worse, pride inflates us, again, for better or for worse. We've seen people who are overly prideful, swollen, boastful, uh, arrogant. That's unhealthy pride. So many of us may conclude that pride itself is kind of a sin. We should not go near it. But I think there's a healthy pride. Like if you say your children are younger, they've done well at some event, and they're exalting, it's worth celebrating that with them. I think it's wonderful to exalt in, in that, celebrating our achievement, but not to overdo it. In our culture, often this gets overdone. There's too much chest beating around it. I think it's fine to have, have pride, as long, long as we don't let it swell our ego. It's not about our ego being swollen. It's about celebrating something we've done that just feels really good to us, and we're not just going to be meek and quiet and modest about it. And I, I want to point out, too, when it comes to celebration, uh, and, I, and I think about my own son in this particular case, he's, he's one of those uh, young adults that's very driven and has his goal of what he wants to achieve in life. And when he makes those achievements, instead of celebrating it, he moves quickly past it to the next thing he has to accomplish. Mm. Um, there's an importance in celebrating as well. We, we have yeah. to recognize the, the milestones that we make, whether we're a man or a woman. Talk yes. a little bit about that aspect for men. Well, it, sounds, it sounds like your son has a lot of men have going. It's like a to-do list is in the, behind their forehead, and there's, there's an endless number of things to tick off. They've achieved this. Okay, now how do I achieve that? I've I've reached this goal. Here's another one. It's endless, and that drivenness actually is it will run a man down. It's unhealthy. It'll affect his body more and more as he gets older, and it cuts him off from enjoying life as it is right now. There's always this pressure. It's like being sexual and only having this huge focus on orgasm, and as if everything precedes it is only an excuse to have an orgasm rather than enjoying the increasing deepening of intimacy throughout the whole process. So a lot of men cut themselves off from joy and true pleasure through this drivenness to to do and do and do. And here's this endless list they're trying to tick off. They never they'll never be able to finish the list because the list itself is kind of an addiction to it. And how we do one thing is how we do everything. So let's move into the conversation about intimacy and relationship for men, um, and it not being something to check off the list, but really a place to establish deep connection. Again, I love the statement uh, that intimate relationship is the 21st century's ashram. Talk a little bit about where men's work needs to be when it comes to cultivating that relationship first with self to be able to cultivate that relationship with another woman or in the case uh, of gay men with another man. Yeah, yeah. I think there's enormous growth in intimate relationship and it's still... There's still very little literature around truly conscious relationship. There's some, but it's a new thing. Not so long ago, men and women couldn't have this because of the huge disparity between men and women, women not having rights, etc. Now is the time in our history where we actually can have truly conscious relationships between men and women. 
and men and men, but women and women. But the thing is, in an ashram, we're, we're removed from the, the world, which has its benefits. A relationship, if there's things that are neurotic in you, unhealthy, that may not show up when you're on the meditation cushion in your spiritual practice or the spiritual hall, a relationship will bring everything out in you that's unhealthy, neurotic, which is the good news, because it brings it into the open where it can be worked with. It may feel unpleasant. So in that sense, intimate relationship is a crucible. It brings forward a fiery place where one can work and purify different elements in oneself. It's also a sanctuary. In fact, it's simultaneously a sanctuary and a crucible when both people are full in, not being run by their conditioning. They're both equally committed to growing through the relationship, using it as a vehicle for true transformation, healing, and awakening. That's possible. It's uncommon in part because most people are not prepared to do the work that's required to bring this about. We just want you to have a honeymoon, have things stay good, and, and get disappointed when things run down, don't work out so well. Because in many ways, we have not chosen our partner, our conditioning has chosen the partner. Or we're having an affair with the other person's potential rather than with them. These are all the shadow elements of relationship, but it's two people to stick it out, go for it, are going to find an immense amount of growth and healing through doing this. I know in reading several of your books and in researching you, you and your wife have that kind of true spiritual partnership where you deeply uh, work together and and do your own inner work as things rise up. Talk yeah. to me about what is it that a man needs from a woman and what is it that a woman needs from a man to become full partners for one another? Well, love is essential, but it's not enough. I often say to people, yes, love is essential, but it is not enough. There has to be a compatibility and also uh, a mutual commitment to doing the work on oneself that is needed. A willingness to look at what's in one's shadow, to share it with the other, to cut through defensiveness, to cut through obstacles to intimacy. And here's the image I like. If both people are sitting on a couch gazing with mutual compassion upon the weaknesses of both. So there's a sense, there's a friendliness implicit in that of both people gazing with that type of compassion and care upon what needs to be worked with rather than pointing the finger, wanting the other person to go to therapy, and I, but I don't need to go. That type of dynamic gets cut through because this is a, this is where my deepest growth has come from being with my wife, Diane. Very natural relationship from the beginning, very soft, tender, great friends. She's my closest friend and vice versa, all of that. But it's been incredibly challenging in a good way because I felt safe enough, and so did she, to bring forward all of myself, same for her, into the relationship. Here's what's not so healthy. Here's some ugliness from the past. Here's this. Here's that. And it's all there shared because there's a mutual trust between us that has been unshaken for a long, long time. And that is worth going for. But at the start of it, uh, my conditioning didn't pick her. I chose her as I really am and vice versa. And we both had the same prayer before we met, which is if I ever enter another relationship again, it will be because this other being this other person helps me do my work even more deeply, helps further my capacity for all the good things in life. In other words, it allows me to serve more deeply in what I'm doing and vice versa. And we both had the same prayer we didn't before we met. 
So I've I've grown enormously through being with her and vice versa, even though it's been the easiest relationship of my life. You said something very powerfully, and, and that was that your conditioning didn't choose her. So in most relationships, our conditioning is choosing our partner unless yeah. we consciously make the choice. Yes. Yep, that's crucial. Often I can say to someone who's working on this very topic, what type of partner does your conditioning want? I mean, detail that. No, what do you want? This is always a difference. And the condition in often is what the childness wants. The child wants to be with that parent they had the biggest charge with, even if the parent was abusive or mostly vacant or whatever. The childness has that so strongly that can drive us. The childness often can pick the partner. When we pick the partner, we're not going by charge, excitation, hormonal highs. We're sensing a true compatibility like the possibility of, a, of having a shared heart. And and the sign of that is often a great ease, not all the delirious excitement of a romantic entanglement. It's more, ah, I feel at home with this person. I'm at ease. I feel safe. I feel the capacity for even a deeper safety. That is such a crucial thing to cultivate. Mm. The couple's task and sacred labor is not to stop fighting, but to fight for each other and for their relationship. Theirs is an often humbling task that does not require them to hang their heads or dilute their energy, but rather after calming down enough to compassionately face their mutual wounds together, identifying what old patterns had surfaced during their argument, and discussing as a team how they might handle future similar situations more skillfully. Power released from the labor of over. Powering or controlling the other is shared power, power that can coexist with love, power that's an ally, asking only that we continue using it as such. Such is our responsibility and sacred obligation. This is from Robert Augustus Masters' book, To Be a Man, A Guide to True Masculine Power. I invite you to explore all of his books and his work at robertmasters.com. Again, go back and listen to last week's show about bringing your shadow out of the dark. He touches on so many powerful points. Uh, There was so much in the book, there was no way to cover it in one show, Uh, but you definitely want to know how to get in touch with your own shadow. Again, he does individual work as well as group work, and he does men's groups. So uh, if you are a man and you're looking for a men's group, you might want to check his out. My guest next week is Hollis Durand, and we are going to be talking about uh, the beings on the other side and how to tap into that connection of those that have left us. I hope you'll join me. Thank you, Dr. Masters. In love, of love, with love, and as love, I am Simran. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.